Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. I thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to be a supporter of this podcast and uh, if this is of benefit to you, please go to patreon.com slash Timothy Yap and we'll be uh, we'll love to hear from you and we'd love to have your support. It's patreon.com slash Timothy Yap. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you and God bless you. And Father, right now as we come to the preaching of your word, we pray, Father, that you will soften our hearts, that you will help us to listen, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. So Father, as we commit this time to you, we thank you that we as a church can gather and study the book of 1 Samuel each week. And that we thank you that you draw again insights to challenge us, to transform us, to be more like your son, Jesus. So do that again this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God has written the gospel in our body makeup. What does the gospel say? We cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. We need to surrender to the savior in faith. This is manifested in our bodies. If you look at our bodies carefully, you will see that the gospel is spelled out in our bodies. What do I mean? Regardless of how tenacious you are in your work, how judicious you are in maximizing your time, regardless of how industrious you are in accomplishing the tasks set for you, at the end of the day, we have to succumb to something. It's called sleep. The busiest CEO, regardless of how important he is, at the end of the day, still has to sleep. Why? It's God as if writing the gospel on our bodies, saying, you are not as important as you are. You are not the savior of your own world. You have to relinquish control. Every end of the day, you have to relinquish control and surrender. How do we normally begin our day? With sleep. If you wake up at 7 in the morning, let's say, you have already begun the day spending 7 hours of the day already asleep. Why? To show us that we are not rulers of this world, we are not the saviors of this world, the world does not depend upon us, even the new day doesn't begin with us, it begins with surrender. Sleep is the greatest destroyer of self-pride. In fact, the more you deprive yourself of sleep, our bodies began to break down. We have a number of doctors in our congregation, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I was reading an article by Dr. Deborah Witherspoon in an article published on Healthline. She lists down 11 forms of health risk if you do not sleep enough. I will just mention a few. If you do not have enough sleep, for instance, you will have levels of blood sugar uh, that are high and you will most likely develop type 2 diabetes. Sleep deprivation also causes uh, high blood pressure, which leads to different types of heart diseases. Deprivation of sleep allows your mind to be unrest and therefore you cannot process new thoughts. Lack of sleep will affect your short-term and long-term memory. People who don't get regular amounts of sleep are often overweight. Why? Because they produce hormones inside you that will trigger your brain to tell you that you are not full. And this increases your appetite and you gain weight. So why? Why does God want us to sleep? 
to remind us of the gospel that you and me are not the saviors of the world the world doesn't revolve around us we are not as important as we are we have to surrender each night just as we have to ultimately surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ God uses nature in wonderful ways to teach us about the gospel and this is what we want to look at in our text this morning as we work our way through 1 Samuel you'll find that God is such a marvelous such an interesting a teacher he uses different ways to teach us he uses even our bodies to teach us about the gospel and today we want to look at two ways in which God teaches us about the gospel God wants us to use two different animals or two different things to teach us two different creations to teach us first is the milk cows and secondly the wheat harvest to be our teacher but just like God uh, can use sleep to teach us, here he uses two very unusual teachers to teach us. But we need to understand 1 Samuel in its context first. 1 Samuel is situated in a time whereby it was a very dark time. Just like our time, the people find it very difficult to actually listen to what God has to say. They were hearing, but they were not listening. Samuel Rutherford, the Scottish preacher from the 17th century, once says that the most dangerous people in church are not those who complain and rattle the fences, but it's those who are really nice, those who sit quietly in the pews, those who nod their heads, and year in, year out, they come to church, but they never change. They never bear fruit. They're always hearing, but not listening. Not taking it to heart. One Samuel speaks of this situation in Israel. You have the priest Eli, who was also the leader of Israel at this time. Eli knows how to talk the talk. He knows all the religious language and the nice words to say. But deep in his heart, as we already learned earlier, he loved his sons more than God. Despite Samuel trying to teach him that this was wrong, and despite God showing Samuel that this was wrong, Eli was hearing, but he was not listening. So now God is trying to use two very creative teachers to teach us, especially when we uh, do not want to hear him, and to teach us that the need of us to surrender to him. And the first teacher that God wants to teach us uh, is the, the two mother cows or the two milk cows. For the last seven months, the Ark of the Lord has been in Philistine territory. That's caused havoc and discomfort, sickness, death amongst the Philistines. So very frustrated and fearful, the Philistines decided to take the Ark back and give it back to Israel. So they decided to put it on a cart. And this cart is being hitched on two milk cows, two mother cows, and these two mother cows are supposed to bring this cart with the ark back to Israel. So we pick up from our passage this morning at verse 7 from 1 Samuel chapter 6. This is the Philistines talking. Now then, get a cart ready with two cows that have calved, so they've recently given birth. So these are mother cows that are still milking and have never been yoked. They've never done this task before. Hitch the cows to the cart. So connect the cows, these two mother cows, to the cart and take the calves away. 
So these are two brand new mother cows, but take the, the babies away, pan them out. Take the ark of the Lord and put it on the cart and a chest beside it. Put the gold objects you are sending back to him as a guilt offering. Send it on its way. What is very interesting is that the Philistine chose two cows. And we are told that these two cows had, not, had just had baby calves. And they are supposed to pull this cart back to Israel. And they have never been yoked. Why did the Philistines choose two milk cows that have never been yoked? If you are a mother who had just given birth to babies, would you part with your babies? No way! Most mothers will spend 24 hours beside the baby, especially when it's the first time they become a mother. They're so anxious, they're so uh, uh, concerned about the baby that they would not leave the baby. So the instinct of the milk cows is that if you put them on a cart, if you ask them to drag the cart, they will go back to their babies. But if, it's, if the cart, if the ark actually belongs to God, God will so supernaturally intervene that these cows will not go back to their babies, but they will go back to God in Israel. So this was the test the Philistines designed to see whether the ark was really of God or was it just a box. And very amazingly, these cows left their babies and made its way from the land of the Philistines back to Israel, back to God. Why? Because the cows felt God was even more important than their own babies. So look with me at verse 12. The cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh. Beth Shemesh means, Beth means house. Shemesh means sun. They went back to the house of the sun where God is. Keeping on the road, lowering all the way, they did not turn to the right or to the left. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the borders of Beth Shemesh. The cows did not stop. They did not even run back to their babies. These are milk cows. These are mother cows. They did not run back to their babies. But they went straight to the house of the sun where God is, where Israel was. And they went. And they reached, verse 14, the car came to the field of Joshua, which means savior of the house of the sun, Bashemesh. And it stopped there beside a large rock. Where did the cows go? They went not only straight to Israel territory, but they went to the house of the field of the Savior, of the house of the sun, and stopped at the large rock. What is the rock used for? You will read later on that the rock is used for sacrifice. The cows, even milk cows knew, that there is a greater calling than just taking care of your babies. That we are made for God. That they even knew that they had to go to their maker. And go to the, the field of the Savior. And make a sacrifice there to the Savior. 
This is in such contrast to Eli the high priest. Eli the high priest loved his children so much that he would not sacrifice his own heart to God. But here were milk cows, cows, not even human beings, who would leave their own children and sacrifice first to God, then take care of their own milk children. They prioritized God with such high esteem that they went for God first and their children second. Why? Why do we need to surrender ourselves first before taking care and loving our children? If you love your children with our own evil and sinful hearts, our love for our children will be very depraved will be filled with lots of sin. We have been hurt before. Many of us have been hurt before in our childhood. So we are scared of this. We are, we are tainted by this. And if you love your children with the tainted love, that love is not complete. But if you first come to God and surrender first to God and come to the field of the Savior and lay down your heart at the large stone of sacrifice first, then God will fill you with a greater love and you can love your children even more immensely in a more godly way. So the call of this passage is that we need to love God first. You, you can never love another person with a genuine love unless we first learn to surrender our hearts first to Jesus. I was hearing a message by Mike Retta. Mike Retter is the former principal and the founder of one of the theological colleges here in Melbourne. He was talking about the time where he first founded a theological college in Melbourne. It just started this college and there were not many students. Most of the teachers there were actually volunteer pastors who were not receiving any pay or very little pay and they volunteered the time to teach in this college. There was a faculty member of the college whose name was Steve. Steve was also a part-time volunteer at the college and uh, he had a young family, two kids, a wife and a huge mortgage to pay. Steve was struggling financially. Steve had a car that he needed to get him to work. He needed it very desperately. So one day the car broke down, he brought it to the repair shop. He told the repairman, can you fix my car? And the man said, of course we can fix your car, but it will cost you $1,000. And Steve needed his car. So Steve, being a faculty member, came to Mike Retter, who is the principal of the college, and asked him, can the college lend me $1,000? Mike Retter thought for a moment and said to Steve, give me up to Friday and I will respond to you. He knew that the college didn't have money. They were just starting up. They couldn't even pay their own faculty members. So he sent an email to all the faculty members and told them about the situation. And he concluded his email by saying, I'll leave a box outside my office. If you feel led to give some money to Steve, just drop the money in the box. So Friday arrived. Mike Retter asked Steve to come to his office and said to him, I have some bad news and some good news. The bad news is that the college doesn't have funds to lend you $1,000. But the good news is that you can buy yourself a brand new car. The staff of the college, who are mostly unpaid church pastors, have raised $9,000 to buy you a new car. This was years ago, so $9,000 worth a little bit more than it is right now. They have raised $9,000 to buy you a new car. 
Later, Mike Ratter asked one of the college professors and asked them, why are you so generous? I know all of you are struggling financially. Why are you so generous? One of the faculty members said, if it were up to my own self, I would not have given a cent because I would have taken care of myself and my family first. But because we teach here at the college the resurrection and the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you speak about the sacrifice of Jesus day in and day out, and our need to surrender to this great Savior, He changes us. He changes us to such a way that we put others first before ourselves. So yes, it took a lot to raise that money. It took a lot of pain, but we do it. Because the love of Jesus that we have surrendered to has enlarged our hearts. And I think that's what God wants of us. Before you can love any other people, before you can treasure another person in your life, we need to like the, be like these milk cows. Walk up to the field of the Savior at the rock, at the large rock, and first sacrifice our hearts to Jesus. Then Jesus will enlarge our hearts to love others. So God used the milk cows as the first teacher to teach us. The second teacher that God uses to teach us is the wheat harvest. You will never guess that God would use the wheat harvest to teach us. Verse 13, now the people of Beth Shemesh, the house of the sun, were harvesting their wheat in the valley. And they look up, because the ark was just marching into Israel, so they were looking up, and they saw the ark. They rejoiced at the sight. You need to understand that Israel is known as the land of the Shivav Haminim. Shivav Haminim simply means Israel is the land of the seven producers. Uh, they, they are known for wheat, Barley, grape, fig, pomegranates, olive oil, or olives, and dates. These uh, seven producers are not made up by me. They're made up by God in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. The rabbis um, used to say that if you've been to Israel and you've never tasted these seven producers of Israel, you've never stepped foot on Israel. So if you do get a chance to visit Israel, make sure you have a taste of the wheat, the barley, the grapes, the figs, the pomegranates, the olive oil, and the dates, so that you can say you've been to Israel. Um, so these are the seven producers that uh, God has blessed Israel with. And when we're told that the ark first arrived, the Bible tells us that it was the wheat harvest. To many of us living in the city, like myself, I would not speak for Ray because Ray lives in the country. For us who lives in the city, when we talk about wheat harvest, what does that mean? It means nothing. Uh, it means nothing to us when you see the wheat, when we talk about the wheat harvest. But when you live in an ancient culture like Israel, where agriculture is very prominent, when you are about for instance, the barley harvest, you will know, oh, Passover is here. The book of Ruth begins with the barley harvest. Why? Because the book of Ruth seeks for a redeemer and a savior. Uh, then when people say, oh, the grape harvest is here, you know that the feast of the tabernacles is here. When you say, the wheat harvest is here, what does that mean? For us, it means, ah, I don't know. <laughs> but for the ancient Israelites, when you say the wheat harvest is here, it means that the feast of the weeks of Pentecost is here. What is the Feast of the Weeks? W-E-E-K-S. It is a celebration of thanksgiving to God for giving fruits to Israel. 
So why does God tell us that the ark arrived just on the feast of the tabernacles of the weeks? Because if you surrender like the milk cows to God, harvest comes. The feast of the weeks is a celebration of God's harvest. And the New Testament, it is the giving of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? Fruits come. Fruits get ripened. Fruits become abundant when the Spirit comes. People are filled with the Spirit. What do they do? They manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So when the Feast of the Weeks come, it means that the fruits are already here. Why is this important? The book of 1 Samuel is a book of silence. For almost 20 years, God has not spoken. They have not heard from God. But this is the beginning of a new beginning. That God is going to produce fruit in Israel. It's going to write. It's going to become God's word. It's going to be so prevalent in Israel that they're going to hear. That they're going to hear God's word afresh. And fruits are going to be born again in Israel. And the next chapter, we begin to see Samuel speaking for the first time after 20 years of silence. And we begin to see fruits bearing and coming out from God. Because when you surrender to the Spirit of God, fruits come. If you read this passage, you'll feel that there is a deja vu feeling. Unyoked animals bringing God to the city of Israel. You remember Mark chapter 11. On the Sunday before the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus also marched into Jerusalem. What did he march in on? An unyoke called donkey. Just like in 1 Samuel chapter 6. Just like the ark was hitched by two unyoked cows, Jesus marched into Jerusalem in an unyoked donkey. And we are told in 1 Samuel that it was harvest time. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, what was the very first thing he did in Mark's gospel? He went to the fig tree. And he see whether there were any fruits. And when there was no fruit, he cursed the fig tree and the fig tree with it. Why? Because when Jesus marched into Jerusalem, he was expecting there to be a harvest. He was expecting people's hearts to be so ready for the gospel that they have already surrendered. The fruits were already been born. But when Jesus marched into Jerusalem, when he saw the fig tree and there were no fruits, what does that say? It means that the people's hearts were not ready for the Messiah. That's why he cursed the fig tree and the fig tree with it. In order to bear fruits for Jesus, we first need to surrender. You cannot bear fruit until we first die to ourselves. John chapter 15 verse 4 says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You must first surrender to Jesus because neither can you bear fruit unless you surrender, unless you remain in Today, Jesus is also coming into our city of Melbourne. And he's also coming to our church. And he's also saying, is there any fruit? You will not have any fruit of the Spirit if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. 
You have never come to the great rock and surrendered yourself. You have never stopped, have never abided in Jesus, never remained in Him, never surrendered. You will also be like a fig tree without fruits. And what does Jesus do to the fig tree? He cursed it and withered away. The call of this passage is that we need to surrender first to Jesus. And when we surrender to Jesus, you will bear fruit for Him. Last Sunday, Pastor Mike Wright, uh, Mick Wright came to preach here in our pulpit. After the service and lunch was over, Mick said to me, uh, why don't we grab coffee before I go home? So we went to East Pantry uh, at Center Way for coffee. So Mink was self telling me when he was at this cafeteria about all the opportunities there are to spread the gospel, to teach our churches God's word. He was like a kid in a candy store. You know, he was so excited talking about this and that, this and that. Let's teach the Bible to our churches. I'll come and help you. You come and help me. Let's do this together. Let's train it up. Let's have this initiative, that initiative. And I'll come over. I'll do this with you. Don't be afraid. We'll do it together. When Ming was talking, do you know what I was thinking? Man, we start another initiative. How many people will come? Started counting. Oh, no, this won't work. This won't work. This won't work. That won't work. That won't work. Then I caught myself, why am I so cynical? Why am I so negative? Why am I so discouraged even before hearing what Ming has to say? Why? Because I've not yet surrendered my heart to Jesus. Because I'm still filled with disappointments. I'm still jaded in disappointments. I'm still jaded with preconceptions. I'm still jaded by my expectations, not God's expectations. So the moment I said to Jesus, I need to surrender my heart to you. Our church will not bear fruit. If we only come with our own expectations and do what we want, no, you won't bear fruit. Jesus says, unless you remain in me, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must first remain in the vine. We must first die. We must first surrender. We are built to surrender to Jesus. You need to surrender all your disappointments first to Him. And say, God, I start afresh with you. And I will let you take control. I will not set my expectations. You set the expectations. In this life, you're going to minister and work with difficult people. Some of you are going to work with difficult parents. Some of you are going to work with difficult bosses. And you're filled with cynicism and negativity even before talking to them. Yo, you hurt me, you hurt me. I'm disappointed, disappointed. You will not bear fruit for the sake of Jesus Christ. You will be bitter and negative. And if you're pessimistic to the extreme, you are atheistic. What do I mean by that? If you do not believe, if you are always negative, it means that you don't believe that there is a God. Because God is a God of the possible. So we need to surrender. You're going to minister to people who are very difficult. The very first thing we need to do is to surrender first. I surrender my expectation of what a dad needs to look like, what a boss needs to look like. I surrender to you and I'm open to Lord your Holy Spirit to work in me, bear fruit in me, bear the fruit of love in me, bear the fruit of peace in me, bear the fruit of long suffering in me and start listening. I was there at that moment I surrendered my heart and began to listen to what Mick actually has to say. So let's do that. Let's surrender. Our bodies are made to surrender to Jesus. Let's do that. Let's be wiser than cows.
<laughs> Father, we want to thank you that we want to be wiser than cows. Yes, you have made us in your image. You have never made cows in your own image. But yet the cows know that they need to return to you first before loving their own babies. But yet we are not clever enough, wise enough like these cows. <laughs> Father, we are so much greater than the cows. You have made us in your image. You have placed your Holy Spirit on us who believe in you. So made us wiser than cows. Made us wiser than the wheat harvest who knows that when the Messiah comes, they need to bear fruit by surrendering. So Jesus still comes to our churches today and asks us and see whether there is any fruit in us, whether there is any surrender to him. Father, forgive us because sometimes we are very cynical. I am very cynical about ministry <laughs> myself. I get disappointed easily. My eyes betray me often and I get cynical and negative. But Father, I need to surrender first to you. Surrender my disappointments, my hurts to you and invite you to take control. We will never bear fruit by our own strength. We need to abide in the vine. So Father, I pray for those of us who have never really surrendered our lives. We treat you as an accessory. If we have time, we'll come to you. If we don't have time, we don't come to you. Father, help us to get rid of that idolatry. We need to surrender to Him. You can't love your wife with a love that Jesus wants you to have. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, you will always be deficient. You will always be self-centered. You will always be selfish. And it will break down one day. So Father, Teach us to be wiser than cows. Father, we have better brains than cows. That I can say for sure. The doctors here too, they can testify to that. So Father, teach us to be wiser, to know our master. That we will bear fruit for you. Help us not to just listen. There's not to just hear, but actually take this to heart and change us. Let's spend a moment of quiet before Him and let's surrender our hearts to Him.